Um, so could you tell us a little bit um, about your practice and you as an artist mm -hmm. and the importance of drawing inspiration from or bringing traditions of the Makondi tribe to the front in a context like Copenhagen mm. or the European art world in general? All right. Yeah, so basically I'm an artist, a, a visual artist and performing artist, uh, focused in theatre and uh, general pictures, paintings and other types. Um, for me it's very important as an artist to use this platform and use this agency to discuss the issues that affect me on a daily basis as a black person. Mm. The history and the version of Africanness and blackness that is out there, it's very Eurocentric. The idea of Africa is of uh, a savage place, cannibalism, um, primitivism, and right now it's poverty, war, and disease. For a long time, I believed in that because I was brought up and grew up um, in the post-colonial era in Africa where self-hate was just our normal condition not liking our hair not liking the size of our nose um, walking on the sand on the beach and when you see white people we would dig our feet on the sand because you didn't want them to see how ugly your feet are and white feet were always this very serene and beautiful without marks and everything so growing up with that self-hate um, and loving and always being like fed images of Europe through the television, watching Brazilian novels, and most of them being white. And if you saw black people, they were in the favelas, they were in the ghettos. And so that affected a lot the way I saw myself and the way my people, it was like very normal to people. So like, if you don't make it in school, maybe if you get to Italy, go! If you don't get married, oh my God, remember Marta? She's in Sweden. So. I was like, okay, if I don't make it in school, I just gotta go to Europe, you know, because that is the shit. So all of these things affected the way I saw myself and coming from a very poor family, working class. And uh, so I, I looked up to Europe. I wanted to go to, to Europe. I wanted to go to the United States of America. That was what being fed into my consciousness on a daily basis. Um, coming to Denmark as an immigrant, everything changed. Not only I saw that white people was not as glorious as I thought. They were regular people, were dirty, you know, who were broke. I was like, oh my God, this is really contradicts everything that is. But see, when white people in Africa, they're rich and they are untouchable, you know, like, they're just like, oof, amazing. Um, my Makonde tribe is a people that were very much engaged during the, the fight of resistance to colonial Portuguese colonial regime. It was the first bullet that was shot against the Portuguese colonial forces in Mozambique was done by my people, the Makonde people. And these people carry uh, tattoos in their face like the one I have in my forehead, carved all over them. And there are narratives of Portuguese soldiers of that colonial era saying about, man, those guys with cut faces, we don't want to mess with them. And I think instigated that kind of fear, although we didn't have the weaponry. It was a very important uh, uh, part of our resistance and also a pride that gives it to me like, oh my God, there's a little bit of power in my blackness. 
Um, so in Denmark, I started discovering myself. I came and I lined up on the on the lines of immigration. It was language. It was questions like, oh, how did you came here? Why did you came here? How long you planning to stay? And when are you leaving? That was continuous. If you didn't meet that, you would meet like, okay, so what's your name? Uh, Jupiter, what do you do? I'm like, but you know what? <laughs> uh, what am I supposed to answer? And that always kind of made me feel displaced. So I bring a lot of my art from home. The Makoni people are world known for being wood carvers. They carve wood, they make amazing pieces. Um, uh, so I have that with me as my heritage, my cultural heritage. School never been my strongest side. So I was like, okay, art is gonna be my work. Art is gonna be my agency. Art is what I am. Art is my legacy, it's my heritage. And I'm gonna take that with me. But what kind of art am I gonna do? What I'm trying to convey? For a lot of people, art is just something that is cool to do. For me, it's a form of my heritage. Even though when you when you meet white people went to art schools, they ask you like, okay, so you're an artist? Yeah. Hmm. So did you went to a, a, a university of this? And I know I didn't. Oh. So you just happened to land here. It's my heritage. My grandmother worked with mud and wood and carved faces. The Macon people believe that the first woman and man that God created came out of the wood. So if you don't validate that, and because of your degrees, it's like a little bit complicated. But I needed to resist that. I needed to resist that. And that resistance shifted when I decided that I wasn't making art for them. I was making art as a way for me to breathe, as a way for me to validate my existence. Hmm. When I start owning that, I'm like, okay, so what are you going to paint about it? Okay, I'm going to paint something like this. Let you, no, I can't stand up right. I was going to show you something. <laughs> but okay, this piece right here is, is because I call Moods of Resistance. Uh, where I have a picture of, um, let's see. It's like the topic is like neo expressionism, and um, this is like basically me. And these are my two children, and this is their belly hungry, and this is the faces that are behind the scene and smiling. It's very difficult for me to be a single parent and not have an education, and being a black person, having to convince everybody that my art is valuable. Uh, at the price of that, I have these children looking up at me, starving for some kind of, 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 of legacy, some kind of justification. So slowly I am like dying. And this is my generation. So I start like, okay, if I'm going to paint, I'm going to paint how I feel about the experiences I have. It's very tough not to have an education and not to have opportunities in Denmark that gives you the same experiences and opportunities that the, the general middle class have. So I start using Denmark as the stage, my art as an agency of resistance to tell the experiences I have and surprisingly so, I meet on a daily basis with it, every other black and person of color. So uh, yeah, I hope I'm answering the question. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, your show, Julia and 500 Years of Freedom, mm -hmm. is a one-person show who takes the audience through your own personal journey of migration from Mozambique to Denmark. 
Yeah. How has this journey and the difference between these two places influenced your views on identity and specifically on queerness? Wow. Wow. It just like influenced me a lot. Um, like I said previously, that growing up in Mozambique and looking up to Europe as the big apple and coming here and finding up the rotted apple, um, not only as a non-binary, genderqueer, trans-curious, lesbian, gay person, I realized the idea of queerness was my own, my exactly identity. The fact that I'm black, I'm queer just by race alone <laughs> so realizing that in Copenhagen in Denmark I'm like oh my god I met a lot of beautiful people I'm like wow trans woman trans man oh my god wow really yeah I'm like wow wow and what was mutual between us is that we were a minority and that we were strangers we were the other and then I could easily relate to a trans woman the violence, the danger, the, the invisibility, the hyper-visibility that comes with that as well. But I was like, wow, I can't totally relate to that, you know? I totally relate to that, you know, being a black person, racism, I totally relate to that. So that made me realize that I was queer in every shape and form. Um, yeah, I kind of got lost in all of the stuff you said. <laughs> <laughs> That's absolutely fine. <laughs> Um, it's just that how how does the difference between the two places Mozambique mm -hmm. very and, very yeah. different and very like different like, very different like again like, realizing that being black alone was a queer uh, existence in Mozambique like you see homophobia is not that's exactly what's not African homophobia mm -hmm. is an African it's a Eurocentric fucking bacteria that just sweep through religion and just occupied our minds. You know, it's very funny that white pastors from the United States of America get into Africa talking about what is right, what God did, what God did not do. But African people are queer by nature. I grew up with a lot of gay people in the neighborhood. Those were the ones who made the wedding gowns. Those were the ones who made the cakes, you know? There was always this gay person we call maricas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was always this guy that made amazing cakes and amazing gowns. And they existed amongst us, you know? And they were themselves. They were queer, they were trans women, you know, nobody really picked on them. And some of them, they were the baddest that you could find in the neighborhood. But basically, the gangs, they would have one queer person inside, one trans woman inside, and they would fuck you up. Like, so they were also a people with power. But then again, when we start going to religion, that's where the violence starts coming. Um, so in Mozambique, I can walk and people really notice and my people love me. My people love me and they seem like, hey, it's a gaja, meu. Hey, it's a gaja fudida. It's a gaja fudida. It's a gaja pesada. People really talk to you like that, you know? <laughs> and they're cool. And I feel that the same thing happens in, in Copenhagen. Uh, when I meet African people in Copenhagen, there are those who are very religious oriented and that will give you the side eye. That's when you know you got some bacteria in your head. But the other black community that I meet, African guys, you know, I just had a picnic in my neighbor, in my backyard, and this guy from Angola, 
came David Pioso. Oh my God. And this is like a real straight guy. You know, he's straight. You don't fuck with his dick and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, we were talking about gay shit. And he was like, no, 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 no. Comeru mataku. No, no. Yo no como mataku. No, no, no. Mataku. No, but I, we could have that conversation openly. And he said, when I met this girl, man, back in the days, she was bala. She was like, ooh. And then I was like, I need that girl. And somebody in our community said, like, you can't get her. Mm -mm, you can't get her. Why? Because she's queer. You know? <laughs> and this was like, what, 2000? I was like still battling my fucking shit. Uh, but then again, when I see that openness from them, it reflects also the way I felt at home. But again, there is a lot of danger, a lot of trans women and, and trans men, just gay, queer people in general are facing a lot of violence in Africa because there's not any laws set to protect our rights. Um, Mozambique decriminalized homosexuality about six, seven years ago. Um, in South Africa, you had corrective rape. So we, we also have this uh, uh, spectrums of society that is very intolerant. So in Copenhagen, um, <laughs> Yeah, it was like paradise, you know, you could do whatever you want <laughs> and be whoever you want. Although the homophobia that comes from white people in Copenhagen is very silent. They don't tell you. But when you say I'm Jupiter, they're like, okay, but what's your real name? When you say my pronouns are they, he and they. Okay, her. You know, it comes in this subtle, intolerant, and I think that's more aggressive more violent. I'd rather have people say like, yeah, so Marie, Kishpa, get the fazeraki, you know, than people who sit and give us the smile. And then you go like, oh yeah, sure, sure, no problem. And you're looking for a job, you give that paper over there, yeah, yeah, sure. And they go in the paper, like, no, not this gay person. So that's, mm, yeah. I think as a queer person, we always like, have to watch our backs, you know? No matter where we at, <laughs> we always have to watch our back. We always have to speak louder. We always have to stand out and we do with our style, we do with our communities. So putting these two places, there's a bad and good. And ultimately I like that because I think the day that really disappears, the day the resistance and the day the struggle, the day I fight to be queer, to be gay, to be trans curious disappears. Maybe that's going to be the day I'm dead, you know? I think that I will always going to find something anywhere I go. Yeah. Yeah. But I just want to say one thing. Comparing as a, a BIPOC queer person to a white, the privileges on the other side is quite visible. A lot of trans white people can be trans, you know? For black and people of color, it's like, yeah, I'm trans. <laughs> you know? So when we occupy a space which we call community, and I have a lot of white queers, pretended that we have an alliance because we share the same struggle. What is our struggle, really? Queerness. Oh, I get it. But do you feel safe? <laughs> yes, I don't. <laughs> so there's this imbalance. And I, that's what we were talking yesterday. I was really uh, trying to mention that to our community. It's very important that we show some kind of solidarity to each other. You know, it's like when you're using water, 
You don't just open your water and leave and go. Because you're wasting water. There's water scarcity in the world. People who don't have access to water. So you always got to be conscious about that. That's like, oh, let me close it. Let me do this. The same time, the way white people express their queerness, they should be conscious about those other experiences of black and people of color who still are marginalized and affected by the political and economic structures that are. Yeah. As a first-generation migrant coming into a Western European country, how do you see this contemporary version of pride, of the pride movement, mm -hmm. and the so-called achievements of the mainstream LGBTQ plus rights mm -hmm. movement? Let me tell you this. I have a problem with LGBT. Those LGBTIQTTABCDAAAAA. I understand the struggle and the, the reason and the focus and the people who try to represent. But I think that sometimes create organizations that accommodate, that, that speak of experiences that only black and people of color face on a traumatic degree. And then you just get to make an empresa, uh, you know? You just make a, a business out of it and you try to advocate. But at the end of the day, when the capital is still making you white people rich out of it, so I need another stripe on the rainbow. There's a lot of colors in the rainbow. I need to see a black stripe on it. I need that awareness to be clear. So what I see in terms of movement, when I think about Stonewall and how queer people, James Baldwin, Black Panther, a lot of gay man in it, you know, Audrey Lord, like, it was black queer people that were in the forefront of that civil rights activism and, and struggle, both in Africa and in diaspora. Um, and we did that. We went out there on the street and we talked loud. We're black and we're proud. We're queer, we're out here, you know. So white people now come out and take that shit and they're like, yeah, I'm proud. I'm... No, no, you always been proud. <laughs> you always... <laughs> what you talking about? So when I see these forms of, of movements, I'm like, Mm. Again, if you're not conscious, you will fall into a false sense of alliance that only wants you there to be by the numbers. They want to see us on the front walking. So when the police come and unleashes the dogs and the guns and the water canyons, you know, we're the ones getting fucked up. All the white people go there and say, like, I was there. You know, I'm a good white person. I was there. So I find it that Mm, it's so important to create narrow pride. It's so important that create this kind of clear expression of we are here and we do need to express ourselves with our own voices. We don't want you to create Copenhagen pride has been forever, forever. Without narrow pride, the Kiribati Park Festival, there was no other. We had to go out there to the Royals Place and be in the middle of in the middle of all those white gay people who are proud. Proud about what? Did you? I mean, every fucking white president was gay one way or the other. Y'all been out there for a long time, but we were the ones on the street. You know, it was black and people of color. The ones who were like, whoa, shit! I can be black. I can be a person of color. I can be gay. No, I'm tired of this shit. You know, I need to do this. I need to be on the street until the hours that I want. I want. I need to be able to wear makeup and be the, the person that I am. So we created the struggle to claim a certain pride about it. 
but white people came and took that shit out and they're talking about they are certain minorities <laughs> daily minority how um so i would say for me as a gay person i always felt misrepresented in copenhagen pride ah let me tell you a small little story and i'll try to be cook you see i'm a storyteller <laughs> I, I speak a lot Great. um one of these times i was in the copenhagen pride and i ended up meeting this politician i'm not gonna disclose the name and then they invited me to go into a private party so you had the pride and then after that you had gay white people who were the private party in one of these penthouses in one of these places and i was invited to go there i just snitched myself in it because and i had this military outfit and a beautiful head wrap <laughs> and a lot of beads in here and i went to the, into the party and it was only gay white men um so i get i get in and i was a single like singly displayed like i was the only black person inside that party so after the pride they have another pride you have to understand that they have pride and then they have another pride so that is the pride for the newspaper that is the pride for the magazines that is the pride to hijack struggles of black and people of color to undermine our existence to say that they are actually a minority but they have a lot of privileges and then after that party they go to another pride where there's no other black and people of personal color who's queer there surprisingly as i get in wow here comes a bunch of gay white men oh my god oh my god you're so cute oh my god i love your outfit oh my god you are so beautiful oh can i well touching my fucking turban what's going on oh my god how do you do this and then after a while i was getting free drinks i'm like wow this is quite entertaining <laughs> they made a circle and I was telling my whole life story. I'm from southern east of Africa. I came like, wow, that's amazing. Wow, and there's also a lot of animals. Like, oh my God, do you like see a real cheetah? Oh my God, yeah, it was like that. And then I was like, oh, and you know, I'm a shaman person. I can read futures and I can tell. Wow, can you read my hand? Everybody starts spreading the hand. For me, it was just a joke, but you know what? Had they done that to me today, I would make money. I wouldn't make money. They're like, can you read my hand? They were like, oh, you have a very short lifespan. <laughs> <laughs> you could have definitely made money. I could have made money. <laughs> <laughs> that was money then. <laughs> and uh, no, we need your number. We need your number. And they would come in couples, white gay men in couples. Like, well, let's go read that shit. So. You see, this thing about being a, 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 a pride event and have a separatist pride event that is only white gay men and then having a black person in it and you completely start to symbolizing them as uh, hand readers and, uh, you know, uh, housekeepers and it's just complicated. That's why I feel, I feel like, mm, no, um, it's just a, a white party. So we need our own forms of resistance. We need to create our own prides. We need to create our own spaces. And um, that's where we're at today, I guess. Yeah. So I hope I'm answering the yeah, question. Yeah, yeah, you know, you, yeah, yeah, you absolutely. are, definitely. And you kind of went a little bit into the next one, but I'm just going to... I'm going to say anyway, just in case you want to add anything to it. Mm -hmm. Which is, um, you know, in a panorama of LGBT rights movements, 
uh, so focused on white cisgen cisgender lesbians and gays, mm -hmm. and that so often contribute to further separating the LGBTQIA community from other communities under attack, such as people of color, working class folk, migrants, Muslims, and others. Mm -hmm. What's the importance and the political potential of counter events like Queerlands or uh, Nobel Pride? Well, that was a long ass question. Sorry. So, what's the importance? Yeah, no, it's just basically like, yeah. what is the importance of um, Nobel Pride and yes. the alternative counter events yeah. that actually yes. focus on the real struggle, which yeah. is the struggle of people of color? Yes. Rather than it's it, it's absolutely important for us to mark our presence. Yeah, it's absolutely important for us to be the agents of the change that we need, because a lot of the times we have this uh, white savior issue. Like every time a white person, we have an issue. A white person has to be there as a as a form of aid and charity to support us to go to another move. No, 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 no. We have a very strong agency. We artists, we activists, we academics, we all of that stuff, and we got that fucking agency to create the change. So I think it's uh, it's it's very important that we finally, if we're going to point fingers at white people, let us not give them space to say like, yeah, but what you're doing. That's what they actually say, you know, they say like, yeah, but what you do, you know, being an African person like, oh, Africa, oh, Africa, Africa, yes, Africa, yeah, but why are you here? You know, at the end of the day, I need to kind of be, be aware of that. So I think these movements is so important for us to be able to use our own voices, bring our own version of what we're going through, what we experience, and claim that we are taxpayers in here, we are citizens. We are going to take our space and demand that we don't just become free labor slaves um, and to exist in your spaces according to your conditions. We're going to claim our spaces. We're going to speak about our, our struggle and we do not need you in it to tell us shit that we're going to do it. I think that's, that, that's, that's very important. I was also thinking about something else with that. Yes, in terms of this uh, minority groups, it's also very important that we don't allow the the splits and the forms and uh, uh, that we have like you have queer alliance you have BIPOC you have Napa Pride we have this yeah it's very important to have these micro groups but we have to understand that divide and conquer always been the method of whereby white supremacy and capitalism has survived so it's important to interlink our community and say like okay queer lands uh, BIPOC, Nabu Pride, da, 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 da. what do we have in common? Mm -hmm. And say, what do we focus? Make conference, make uh, different retreats, and come together and say, we're here and we exist, instead of being separatistic movements that speak about the same thing, right? So, but ultimately, I think it's very important from the, the story I was telling you, that would not happen in my own community. And I need to be able to be in a space where I also connect with other people who have the same experience. Um, I don't want to be forced to date a white person. I love you, white people. I love them a lot. But I don't want to be like forced to only date white people. And if I do that, they always assume that you need paper, you need some kind of shit. So it's really nice to go into black and uh, people of color spaces and be able to reconnect with not only in terms of, uh, uh, of like race and needs, but also experience that turned me the fuck on, you know, <laughs> like that. Um, oh, you are an immigrant? Oh my God, me too. Oh, you're a refugee? Oh my God, me too. 
and ultimately we queer so having spaces like that give us an opportunity to be visible an opportunity to use our agency an opportunity to get out of the victimhood um placement that white people really love to to have us there and counter our invalidate our arguments um also to build community right and advocate and create awareness and ultimately internationally in all senses you know yeah i think that's what i want to say yeah that's good um what do you think needs to change within the current systems here in denmark and across europe maybe um to improve the treatment of lgbtqi plus migrants particularly queer and trans um people of color i think that one of the things that uh i'm not so political you know i didn't go too much to school and stuff um but i think one of the things that i notice a lot is um, this white guilt issue this white savior issue it drains the shit out of me you know um it would be nice that we have more access to spaces that are more predominantly white. For example, Warehouse 9, okay? For example, other theater group uh, centers here. You know, in Nairobi, there's like one theater over there, there's another one over there. There's many spaces like where you can express yourself in terms of art and culture, but it's not accessible. Mm -hmm. And I think art is the weapon whereby we can create a, a, a common discussion with between people, you know? to create a bridge it's art so one of the things is accessibility and the sharing of opportunities it's not enough to um copenhagen film institute see the the series in um what's the name dear white people on netflix and they decided to make a debate about it and they invited a white person to come and talk about it. <laughs> I like, what the fuck? <laughs> no. So opportunity is one of the things that need to change. We need more spaces to open. Don't be afraid. We're not going to take over. I know we're big, but the numbers, the so-called minority. How can we be minority when we the majority? See, I think opportunities have to be more broad and, and open and, um, and white people that uh, have the same experience like queer people need to be able to who have access to these institutions to be able to say like okay this job is something that jupiter can do is something that miguel can do you know but because miguel doesn't speak danish and or don't have paper or is in a refugee camp the structure the structure racism says like no i'm gonna have to protest against this because I don't want them just to fit into these categories. We need to open spaces because th these categories, these requirements block our shit, you know. So that is one of the things that have to, um, to change. More opportunities and more activism coming from white people. Not, and it has to be sincere and honest, not because I'm white and I want to save your ass. No, because if we're going to dismantle the structures that be, we're going to have to do it together. Um, this is Joshua <laughs> in the house, in the house, in the house. Hey, Joshua. Joshua, can you say hello? Hello. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> this is Joshua. We both got a haircut yesterday. Very good. Yes. Amazing. So I think advocacy and um, more opportunities, um, more access mm -hmm. to the money, to the 
places, institutions. We need that. And white people know it. We use his, if you look at the white queer people, they will come to hang out with us in the sense of a false sense of alliance. Like we're queer, we're also a minority. But then again, you go into a gallery, it's only them. No, make space for us. Allow us to speak of our experiences. If you're a trans woman, allow a trans woman of color to come out here and speak about her experience. If she doesn't, doesn't speak Danish, let's bring uh, somebody who can translate, you know? So accessibility and the sharing, fair share of opportunities, that was one of the things that has to change a lot because it's still white centralized. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.